0: Hello and welcome to the moments that made me in association with the University of Hull. My name is Radzi and I'm delighted to welcome you to the series where we discover the three moments that have defined the lives of some of Britain's finest Olympic athletes. Already we've heard from Pete Reed, Ed Clancy, Becky Adlington, Becky and Ellie Downey, Maddie Hinch, Latela Mohammed, Denise Lewis and Max Whitlock. But this is our ninth and last episode of the series, so we are ending on a high. And before I introduce her, let me remind you that this was recorded in the height of a lockdown. But for our last episode, for our final guest of the series, we give you a Man City and England striker, a London 2012 Olympian and a holder of one of the most recognisable celebrations in football. It is Ellen White. I am genuinely delighted to be joined by an England women's footballer. She's played for Birmingham, Leeds Carnegie, Arsenal, Notts County, Chelsea, Man City, Ellen White. How are you?
1: I'm okay, thank you. How are you?
0: Yes, I'm very, very, very well. I'm also very excited to talk to you about your entire career and the moments that made you. But not before we start with a test about yourself. Five questions. (laughs) How well do you think you know yourself?
1: Not good, not good, I'm not going (laughs) to lie.
0: Let's see how you get on. So, question number one. So, you scored on your England debut in a 3-0 win over Austria in 2010, but who were the other two scorers that day?
1: I want to say Leanne Sanderson. Yes. I'm going to say, like, Kaz Carney. Or Eni (laughs) Aluko. That's close, that's close.
0: She will be livid. Uh, Question (laughs) (laughs) number two So you represented Team GB in London 2012 And at the time you were playing for the greatest football team of all time A.K.A. Arsenal But who were the five other Arsenal players playing for Team GB? This is tough, by the way
1: Um, Okay, I'm going to go for Rachel Yankee
0: Yes, one
1: Steph Horton Yes, two Was Kelly Smith at Arsenal then?
0: Yes There's a really obvious one That I thought would be your first one
1: Alex Scott?
0: Yes. And somebody that's not very big. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I don't know.
0: Sorry. Kim Little.
1: She's going to hate me for
0: that. Question number three. How many minutes did you play during London 2012?
1: 90?
0: Not bad. 112.
1: Oh, Okay, Okay. OK. That's more
0: than I thought. Very specific. Question number four. So you've won the WSL Player of the Month before but what month of what year was it?
1: I'm going to say February
0: 2018. Ooh, March 2018. Uh (laughs) We've done a number of podcasts so far, and this is by hard, the hardest five questions you've asked on (laughs) anyone. I'm just going to put it out there. Um, And finally, how many women's Super League goals have you scored in your career to date?
1: 42.
0: Okay, we've got it as 46, but that might be wrong. So
1: I'll take 46, that's fine, that's more than yeah. 42, I'll take that, I'll take that. <laughs> I don't mind if I got that wrong.
0: <laughs> so you said you didn't feel like you knew yourself that well. I no. think you were kind no. of right.
1: My knowledge of my own like game is is shocking, to be fair.
0: which Which actually is kind of amazing, because I suppose for some people, people might be almost statisticians and encyclopedic yeah. about what they do, whereas for you, it clearly isn't the case, and it's really worked for you. <laughs> but... I'd love to talk to you. I've almost got a bone to pick with you because when I was eight years old, I applied to become an Arsenal mascot. So I would get to walk out with the players in the stadium, but it never happened for me, even though I was on the waiting list for about 10 years. It did happen to somebody that I know.
1: Yeah, for the, uh, for the uh, Arsenal ladies team, I got to kind of walk out, go into the change rooms, meet everyone. Um, I got some awesome new boots as well, bright red boots to wear for the occasion. Um, and yeah, it was an awesome day, to be fair. I loved every minute.
0: And did that kind of inspire you even back then to sort of see the absolute... Because Arsenal certainly historically were the number yeah. one team and to walk out with them as an aspiring footballer yourself...
1: Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, I was so nervous going into the changing rooms um, to to see everyone and meet everyone. Um, but yeah, that definitely I think that gave me loads of motivation to be like, that's where where I want to be. I want to be playing for for Arsenal first team. Um, you know, as as a youngster playing for their centre of excellence, it was a dream. But yeah, to to then move up the ranks and play for their first team was uh, yeah, that that was definitely a dream and and definitely meeting them all and and seeing them all in person. It was like wow, this is amazing
0: absolutely right and i have so i'm very jealous but this is called the moments that made you and i'd love yeah. to talk to you about your first moment that made you which involves your dad and what he did
1: yeah no um, it's 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 a major moment i think in, in my career um i grew up with a a crazy football mad household um my brother played football my dad loved football my mum, my sister we you know we all loved football um and At the time we didn't really have kind of any kind of football center or anything really for like youngsters so i was about five at the time um and my dad along with one of his friends created like a little soccer center a little football center called mini ducks that i joined and it was so much fun i was the only girl all the boys joining in just having so much fun and it it just gave me um a real big incentive to to play football, to love football and and somewhere where I could just have so much fun as well. So he created that, which then kind of propelled me to then go play for the local boys team in in Ellsbury Town. Um, So again, I was the only girl on the team. um, And I definitely think for for my own career, um, playing alongside the boys was was amazing for me, Um, you know, physically, um, challenging, um, you know, the, they move the ball so much quicker. So it's it's definitely helped uh, my development, especially as a as a youngster growing up.
0: Obviously, this game has developed so much now. So hopefully, girls it would almost be able to opt in if they chose to, but wouldn't have to have that situation. Yes. Do you look back and think would things have been different if you were in a situation where there was a girls' team and perhaps? could that mean that you aren't sat where you are now?
1: For me, I'm just really pleased and and proud that there's so many more opportunities for girls growing up, Um, especially, you know, there's a a Wildcat programme where, you know, there's so many young, like, programmes out there for for young girls to get involved in the game um, and play or have fun along alongside like-minded girls that love football um there just wasn't that many opportunities for me to to join any local kind of girls teams within my area even my my local school team um playing at school there was no girls that wanted to play football so I was kind of joining in with all the boys so for me it's just so great to see them there being so many opportunities for girls to play football have fun I know that it's increased the the age that, that girls can play alongside boys to 16 but I think you know, there's so many opportunities for them to play alongside um, other girls as well and obviously have the opportunity to play in a boys team as well. So, um, yeah, I think for me, it's just incredible to see, um, you know, so many girls having fun and enjoying playing football.
0: I imagine especially being a very young boy, if a girl joined my team, you, I might have just condemned and just said, no, you're going to play quote unquote like a girl did you have any of that when you first began?
1: I think because a lot of the, the boys um, within my area or in my school were all really close friends um, and they, they could kind of see me play football um, from quite early on. Um, when I moved obviously into playing for my local boys team in Ellsbury Town, um, when we started to play games, um, you could see the boys on the other team or the parents being like, mm, there's a girl playing. And then like, I, my dad said they literally just ran all the way through and then just scored and they were like, ah, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully I, I proved my worth playing uh, on the boys' team. But yeah, for my, my own team, um, you know, I, I had incredible friends. They always backed me, you know, I had, you know, they, they were always on my side. We we had a great team kind of ethos and that's why I love playing in part of a team, having that environment and that, that banter, that ethos, that
0: togetherness, I really enjoy. How did other female friends kind of take to what you were doing
1: to be honest they 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 thought it was pretty cool as well obviously that they like what they like that you know a lot of them didn't really enjoy playing football but they never really said i shouldn't be playing football um they just weren't really interested in it or maybe they didn't have football mad households or they just didn't enjoy it so yeah for me uh from my personal experience um you know i didn't have anybody that was saying no you shouldn't play football they were really encouraging and really supportive and you know obviously i know that, that not a lot of people were able to have those opportunities so i was you know incredibly lucky um to have those you know supportive family and, and really supportive friends
0: as well well i suppose that kind of brings us to your second moment which is something i can relate to i went to seven different schools but for you it was when you moved to schools
1: i i got to kind of 16 and just finished kind of year 11 and i kind of had the decision of whether i wanted to go to kind of arsenal academy and do um studies there um but for me, I wanted to choose um, what A-levels that I wanted to do. And, I, and that was the decision that I decided to make to completely change schools. Um, and at the same time, um, completely change clubs. So I went from playing at Arsenal um, to going to play for Chelsea first team, basically. Um, so at 16, I made, yeah, the decision to completely change schools and completely change clubs. So it was a big decision to make, really. Um, you know, you're completely going out your comfort zone. Um, you know, you're really developing skills to make new friends. um, And obviously, being a a footballer as well to to really embed yourself and learn a different philosophy as well, you know, a different coach that you're not used to and and different teammates. So uh, for me, it was, yeah, completely coming out of my comfort zone, which something that, you know, I think really helped me um, develop as a person, Um, definitely my social skills, um, like I said, making new friends. And I think that really helped me as a building block to, to my career, really really,
0: and at that point there, did you see football as a potential profession because even roll on say fourteen years it 's night and day compared to what it was then to what it is now, and so there are avenues and opportunities now which i 'm not sure if back then you 'd have kind of seen it in the same way
1: yeah no I, to be honest i, I didn 't realize that I could make um, a living out of playing football um for me, it was a stepping stone in developing as a footballer. It wasn't necessarily, oh, I could be a professional footballer. I, I, I literally didn't think of that. That wasn't something that was really in my realm at that time. Um, for me, it was about going to, continuing my studies, um, doing A-levels, working as hard as I could at school to to hopefully then go to university um, and then also doing something that I abso- absolutely loved in playing football and developing Um, And, you know, for me, um, I'm super critical of myself and I always want to learn. I want to develop, I want to improve. So for me to completely come out of my comfort zone, I was at, you know, Arsenal 8 to 16. That's a massive chunk of your kind of childhood and your teenage years to then go somewhere completely different. So, yeah, it was a a big decision. I think it's something that really, you know, challenged me and really helped me grow and and really helped me develop as a a person. And, yeah, definitely the opportunities now for, for girls coming through. The game, not not just being professional footballers. There's so many other opportunities. Punditry, referees, um, assistant referees. Sean Matty is is unbelievable in in the men's game commentary. at the moment. Yes, commentary. So there's just so many opportunities now, and uh, which is incredible to see. And hopefully that will keep thriving and keep improving. And uh, yeah, something that that would have been incredible for me to kind of see as I as I come through um, my career.
0: In terms of the training side of things, as somebody that likes structure, how do you handle it in a team if perhaps certain people aren't pulling their weight as much as others? Because for them, they might think it's all about the pitch. And if they are performing on the pitch, that's all that matters. How do you deal with that? I think I have
1: struggled to, to kind of um, understand and, and, you know, why people don't want to work hard in the gym or, you know, when everyone else is. Um, but I think I, as I've got older, I think, you know, it's... As much as you want to be like, come on, come on, come on, come on, on." you know, they you don't know their bodies, what they're what they're doing, how they then perform on the pitch. So I think not only do you need to concentrate on what you're doing personally, but I think if you're in an environment or or a team ethos where it is team based, you essentially a lot of the team will do the majority of the work. And those players that aren't doing it will either fall by the wayside or they will join the team they will carry on and they will join part of the team because they can see how much improvement what it's like on the pitch what how the development is even in like testing or in games so um, i think i've definitely learned to to not be like why are you not doing what you're supposed to do in in the uh, in the gym and i think it's more about the individual what's best for them not ev- not every exercise will be perfect for every individual um, so i think it's very i think the gym snc is a very individualized thing and the most important thing is that that person performs for the team um, on match day. And that's, that is something that I've had to get my head around quite, quite quickly and, and how much I've learned over the years as well.
0: Kind of still touching on the structure element of things. How do you measure your own performance? Because if you're a 100-metre sprinter, okay, negating the wind, you say, what time did I run that in? Whereas as a footballer, if balls aren't being sent to you, you're not going to be able to score any goals, regardless of who you are. So, how how do you assess your own performance when, again, clearly you love structure?
1: Obviously, as a, as a striker, um, your my main job is to score goals. So, I think from everyone probably in the in the outside world watching in, um, I will be judged on my performance based on the goals that I score. Um, but there's so much more to to my game or, or so much more to the team than just that. So, you know, I do a lot of analysis away from um, Man City and also with Man City um, and also England as well, just looking at my movement. Um, obviously, a given is working hard. I think that's a given. I think you know internally if you've worked hard and that is one that you should know and that should just be a given. But yeah, it's all about movement um, touches on the ball keeping possession um, whether your shots on target um, your movement in and around the box um, it, it, it is so varied for a striker or even for a footballer um, to, to, to measure your performance but I think it is important to t- sit down with your coaches and know what they want from you and then really analyze that to move on for the, to, to your next game really
0: Thank you for that, and, and kind of keeping on the topic of scoring goals, that brings us to your third moment that made you, which took place in February and March of two thousand
1: ten yeah this uh, this I was talking to my husband actually about about this one um, you know i was I was playing for Leeds Carnegie at the time, and uh, we'd got to to the final of the f a women 's Premier League Cup at the time, um, and we were facing everton um, and we were probably the underdogs um, if we' be honest um everton were the most likely to to win as, as so they say outside um but you know we had such an unbelievable team at the time and uh yeah it was an incredible kind of evening and 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 final for for me personally but also the team and you know i, I scored two goals and, and you know really set that winning mentality within me it was my first kind of trophy as well um so it really kind of um propelled me to be like this is incredible winning something um not just personally but winning something with every single person that's part of this team and also you know standing there with with the trophy with your mum and dad and with uh, like my family and my husband and stuff so yeah it's 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 an incredible feeling that I definitely helped me propel me to to definitely um enjoy and understand what that what winning felt like um and part of that momentum definitely gave me um a lot of inspiration um, I was selected it was my debut for England I was being selected for England in March um, so it's just over a month after we played um, in the final and I made my debut and also scored on my debut so I feel like that game really gave me a lot of confidence um, and kind of inspired me to, to really um, I'm, I'm super passionate and patriotic kind of English uh, footballer as well so to, to step on that pitch to make your debut for England and score was the dream really so I feel like those two moments being so close together really kind of helped me um, in my career
0: do you remember what it actually felt like to put the three lines on for the very first time
1: ridiculous I'm not <laughs> that's that's probably the word that I'd describe it as not only that but I feel like I was surrounded by just unbelievable footballers um you know I Actually, for that game, I was on the bench and at halftime, Kelly Smith came up to me. She was like, Ellen, Ellen, Ellen. And even then I'm like, oh, it's Kelly Smith. And, <laughs> and she's like, you, you know, you, you're probably going to go on soon. And I was just like, what? Well, no one's told me. Like, I, I don't know. So obviously that's made me a bit nervous. It's absolutely tipping it down. And Hope Powell, the manager at the time, was like, everyone has, should be wearing studs. Everyone should be wearing studs. I wasn't wearing studs so I was like right I'm running to the changing rooms putting studs on I was thinking she might just go down the line check every, who's wearing studs they might go on and perform me type of thing so I was really like preparing myself um, but yeah to to stand up to be told that you're going on um, to play for your country um, and just standing there in the kit yeah it's it's such an unbelievable feeling and um, one that you know still 90 90 caps just over 90 caps um, down the road Every, every moment, every time I walk into the changing rooms, people still laugh at me because I'm like, whoa, like, that, that, that shirt's so nice. Oh, that anthem, ja- oh, do you, do you know what I mean? I'm, like a, kid, I'm <laughs> like a kid in a candy store, do you know what I mean? I'm just like, this is just the dream. You know, there's so many people out there that, you know, that, they'd love to play for England, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, for, for me,
0: it's, it's crazy. So when you come on as a sub and the ref yeah. and the PA announcer says your name, and yeah. you actually run onto the pitch? Are you filling your pants at that point? How are you actually feeling?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't want to swear on this podcast, but yes, it was quite nerve wracking. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> um, yeah, I was like, "Oh my gosh, what is happening?" Um, but I feel like as I'm running on, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, oh my god, oh my gosh," and then I think I just kind of settled into the game. Then I was like, "This is this is where I want to be. This this is it. Um, you know, I want to be playing um, for England." And you know this is the dream. So, yeah, when I when I um, when I scored that goal, it was literally slow motion. It was an unbelievable pass by Leanne Sandler, Sanderson. But then, the goal. My my husband still says it now. My mum and dad say they literally felt like it was ten minutes going. Is it in? Is it in? Is it? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was just like. Ah! But um, but obviously it didn't go that slow. But yeah, so for me it was like slow motion as well. And then I did a ridiculous kind of Klinsmann dive. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, it, yeah, it was pretty crazy.
0: When Leanne hits that ball, at that point, are you thinking this could be a goal? Are, do, are you present at that point or are you, are you kind of having the imposter syndrome?
1: To be honest, a lot of people say to me, what, what is your feeling when you're in front of goal? When you've scored a goal, what did you feel like beforehand? But I think I'm just so in the moment. And the only thing that I'm kind of feeling is the goalie's coming right coming quite quickly, running out me. And the only thing I can really do is dink it, basically, over it. So, um, yeah, in that moment, I'm just like, the goalie's coming, dink it, and that's that's about it. I'm not thinking really anything else. Um, it's probably the, the moment afterward I'm like, ah, like just going crazy <laughs> in my head. Um, but then there's other moments when when I've scored where I've said – you know, after a game, I've been like, you should have been in my head when, when, when that happened. They're like, what do you mean? I said, I was literally like, ah, like in my head. I'm just like, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? And <laughs> there's just so many different kind of feelings that you can have um, when you're kind of in on goal.
0: Is there, w- within domestic football, when you're competing against perhaps your fellow teammate for an international spot, h- how do you deal with that where, I guess, domestically you need to be selfless? to the betterment of the team but personally individually you're thinking well hang on a second I want to be representing my country
1: yeah I think that's an interesting one I think there is so much um, competitiveness for for places Um, especially if you are playing in a team domestically say for for Man City and you've also got another striker that's that's fighting for an English place at the same time so it is quite a an interesting dynamics um the, the the one i can think of is is kind of me me and jody actually at, at the world cup in 2019 we were both kind of fighting for the number nine role basically for england and i think for us we i, I just wanted Jodie to do the best that she could possibly do and we just constantly pushed each other in training um shots goals um practices shooting anything um you know we we seem to be really competitive but we wanted the, the best for each other at the same time and I think for me um, the, the team has to come first so it's it's out of your hands the selection um, you can do everything you can training wise being the best professional the best person the best teammate um, but ultimately it comes down to the manager and then it's your reaction once that selection has been happened um, to, to go up to that individual who is potentially starting in front of you and give them a hug and wish them the best luck in the world, because you want England to win the game. And I think that's um, an interesting one that that's hard for a lot of people to get their heads wrapped around. Um, you know, those, those decisions for selection, it's not in your hands. You, you can't be angry at someone that deserves their place to start in that team. So, you know, as I've got older, I've definitely learned and developed and honed that kind of ability to understand that.
0: When you're sat on the bench, um... Is there a similar dilemma where you're potentially seeing two people and you're thinking, "I want one of those spots," <laughs> and, it, and if they're the great game, you're delighted for the yeah. team that you're a yeah. part of. Yeah. But I imagine there's an, again an element of, "I want to be the one doing that." <laughs> I've
1: got you know, you're going to lie if you say that you you don't want to be on there. You don't want to be that one scorer, and you don't want to be that one that's helping the team win. Um, that's that is always the challenge. Um, but I think it is about developing and learning and, and understanding that you want England to win the to win that game you want man city to win that that game and that is the most important thing obviously yeah you you 're going to be frustrated if you're if you 're not uh, coming on off, off the bench or you're not starting that game but it's not that individual's fault um, for, for them performing well um, so <laughs> it's, 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 right. it's for you to, to go up and, and say well done to them or it's you to go up to the manager and say what do I need to do to, to play and perform what can I do in training what more can I do um, it's about you individually um, trying to, to do even more to get better, learn, develop and to, to hopefully start or come on from the bench
0: for anyone who's listening to this podcast, they won't be able to see what's behind you, and that is <laughs> a Team GB. I think it's a poster picture frame.
1: Yeah, it's like a little like board. Yeah.
0: And so, I guess that's because not only are you obviously English, but you're British, and you represented Team GB at London 2012.
1: Yes, that was. Um, I was. Uh, well, I can say I'm an Olympian. Um, I was part of the the GB team at um, London 2012 football team. So, yeah, again that. That that the word to describe that would be ridiculous as well. Um, for for any kind of any English player or, or great British kind of football player, I don't think you know we we ever thought that we could compete at, at an Olympics so to get that opportunity at 2012 um, not only for a team to be there but also to be selected was incredible um, and you know an absolute dream so I had to take something away um, to, to, to try and be like yeah I did actually go there I, I was at the Olympics just to like, not to be like um, so at least I can show somebody but um, but yeah that was uh, in in the room that that I shared with uh with Steph Horton at the time.
0: I feel like in many ways that kind of marks the beginning of the real new chapter of women's football that you go from because I even when I thought about how will I introduce you I almost hesitated to say England women's footballer because I feel as though well you're just an England footballer it doesn't really matter that that you're a female in the same way I wouldn't say Dina Asher-Smith is a British female athlete. I go, she's a British athlete, and yeah. and so, but I almost think that pre twenty twelve, very much England women's football. Post twenty twelve, just a totally different generation.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I think the uh, the twenty twelve Olympics for women's football um, just propelled the whole notion of, of women's football into to another kind of just different atmosphere to be honest um, the fact that we had 70,000 people at Wembley Stadium um, for our final group game against Brazil was phenomenal um, and when kind of Steph scored that goal it was literally like I, I feel goosebumps now because it was just unbelievable um, and definitely there was just so much support on the back of the the 2012 Olympics for for women's football and um you know it it has grown since then obviously um we didn't have the from, from 2012, we went to the Euros in 2013 and probably didn't perform as well as we could have. But I think from then, it, it kind of just got bigger and bigger and bigger um, for, for women's football. Um, I think 2015, when we won our, our bronze medal um, in Canada for England, I think that, again, propelled it. So, um, but I think the start, like you said, was, was 2012 that really made kind of women's football um, you know people excited about it in, in England and, and in Great Britain.
0: Could we go back to 2012 and you mentioned 70,000 people? Because even for a Premier League game, Premier League games ain't getting 70,000 people. And to have pretty much 70,000 home fans all cheering Team GB. And when you come out of the tunnel, I mean, what was the the cacophony of sound like?
1: It was literally deafening. Um, you know, like you say, I think... The fact that it was not only seventy thousand people, but literally seventy thousand people wanting your team that you're playing for in Team GB to win, no matter what, they were literally just going absolutely crazy. And I think that was just a phenomenal, like piece of almost like history to be involved in. That something, um, you know, you could say as as small as women's football was at the time, to have that amount of people. Just want to come out and support, you know, Team GB at the time. It was just absolutely insane, um, and I think from that it really just went a bit crazy. Um, and I know Steph was just everywhere. She was just, you know, she scored that goal at Wembley, and yeah, it just it just absolutely went mental after that. So, you know, it was just such a an amazing kind of feeling and an amazing. You know, time to be involved within team, part of Team GB, and and to be a part of kind of women's football kind of at that time and to see how it's developed since then.
0: And to kind of bring it to present day, and then we'll go back, but to bring it to present day, last year, I think it was, I went to an NFL game at Wembley Stadium. And one of the ladies that was working for Wembley, um, I was saying, Is it normally this full? And she said, Only on special events. And I said, When was the last time that you had a full house? And she said, well, it's funny you ask that because we've got two bookings here. One England men's, one England women's. And the England women's, again, dare I say women's, was the sellout. And you think, I mean, in eight years, to go from that, not an Olympic Games, not a World Cup, ultimately a match that doesn't even matter, yet you've got Wembley Stadium filled out. I mean to be uh, very much the coal front of that what does that mean to you or the coal face even
1: again that was something that I think um, you know we we were aspiring to and wanting to achieve what we felt for Team GB um, you know have that crowd that want to pay for a ticket and come and watch women's football um, at the most probably iconic stadium in the whole world in Wembley so for us we were we we had previously kind of played there, but f- for this was just on another level. Um, and for us to to be having kind of a spot at Wembley with potential sellout was just incredible for us to to showcase our game um, on the back of of a World Cup in twenty nineteen as well. Um, you know, we wanted to really thank everyone, probably more so than ever, for supporting us for that for that tournament as well, and the people showed up they really did um and it, and s- same as team gb it was deafening. it was just unbelievable unreal to have that many people just screaming and going mental for your team i don't think you can ever describe that feeling and i'm sure there's so many athletes out there that when they were at the home olympics in 2012 like you know i i was i was there i've, I've seen a lot of the The footage as well literally as soon as their name is called it is just they're just you you know you just it's just crazy um so that that is such a an amazing thing to to have as well
0: what do you put that progress down to specifically in the women's game
1: a lot to do with the team um in terms of the way that we were performing the way that we kind of um held ourselves professionals we wanted to be likable we wanted to you know people to really want to watch women's football but then you've got to be you know so thankful for the media the journalists that you know it on tv it's in newspapers you know social media i think that was a really major thing that kind of really helped us and really kind of pushed us obviously we understand that w- with getting all that media coverage that comes a lot of criticism um, and we understand that we've had so many meetings about that we understand that you know you once you're in the spotlight and once people want to watch women's football they're going to knock you down at the same time so as much as it was important for us to be in the media for as many people to try and watch it and to see it and to be able to click on their tv to look on their screens on their phones to be able to visually see women's football women's sport Um, you know it does come with a bit of a price as well but for us it it's really helped women's football grow and I think you could see from last summer it's massively helped women's sport in general Um, you know netball cricket rugby athletics it's just it has just really helped um, you know our our progress in in being like the forefront.
0: Do you feel like you've been a part of something special because you say you well you mentioned the word forefront you personally have been at the forefront and for many years um
1: yeah I I personally have uh, no I'm joking (laughs) Um, (laughs) no I think it's, it's it's an incredible achievement um you know there's still such a long way to go for us as well um you know but I think I'm incredibly proud to have been um you know a small part of of Women's football, um, you know, progressing and developing, and and people wanting to watch it. Um, you know, I'll always, I'll always um, say that when I came back from the World Cup, I've had people stop me and go, "Think I think I'd pick women's football over Coronation Street now." And I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> oh I'm done. I think I'll retire now." Do you <laughs> know what I mean? It's it's something stupid, but something that's so like relevant. Um, that you know so many people watch soaps and they are amazing because I get sucked into them as well but the fact that they literally the the women's football or sport was just so easy to click on their tv and it was there that that was something that's so important for us to develop our sport and that it's so visible so visible for everyone Um, and you know if I played a, a tiny part in that then I'm you know really thankful and really proud but for me I just I just love playing football and hopefully everyone can see that as well.
0: I think we absolutely can um you, you mentioned it's still got a long way to go. What is the the end destination if such a thing exists? Where would you like to see the game in a few years' time
1: i think I think you know it still needs to be pushed um, within the media as much as it is great at the moment. I think it still needs to be pushed. it needs to be visible across every kind of channel if if possible or a major channel kind of showing showcasing kind of every game um which will be incredible for us um, and i think you know for us it needs to you know, we need to keep developing our, our league as well within England um, you know we're, we are attracting uh, major players but i think that needs to keep growing people come into to matches like as, as easy as to say like feeling like bums on seats i know we're in a, a global pandemic but hopefully when you know we are allowed to, to have people back in stadiums then to be able to get as many people to stadiums as possible. Um, I know the beginning of last season, you know, we had incredible crowds. We had, you know, the Eti had at the Tottenham Stadium, um, you know, major, major stadiums that were filling thousands of people because they wanted to come watch women's football. So I think that is a big, big progression for us to, to five, 10 years that we are having, you know, consistent sellout crowds for, for women's football across, you know, Every part of the country, really. I think that would be really exciting, and, and internationally as well. To, you know, to have more games at Wembley. You know, it shouldn't even be safe to have more games. Every home game,
0: almost. I wonder when it will get to the point where every person that's playing international football is doing so because of what's happened in the last ten years. So young girls that have seen people like yourselves play and think, I want to be like Ellen. I want to be like Tony, Alex, Any, whoever it might be. And are now playing at the highest level and doing what those people did, because I think what would be really interesting is to see as the game improves, the popularity improves, because, as with any sport the almost the better the standard, the more people get interested, and I think that exponential growth that you'll grow together, so it'd be really cool to see almost the tangible impact that you've had on the new generation that I guess Dare I say, at that point, you might be retired and you might be able yeah. to watch from home, but to, to see the people that have been inspired by you.
1: Yeah, I think that would be something that would be unbelievable for me personally to be able to witness, um, you know, to see those youngsters that, that were growing up when, you know, when I've been playing to then 10 years. Now they are the forefront of women's football. Um, I think that would be unbelievable. And not only for women's football, but but like you say, across the board, you know, when you see elite performances for for international say england netball the amount of people that wanted to play netball after they won was just insane um so i
0: did i'll be honest It made me want to
1: <laughs> and i think that is important You you know as much as as much as you want your your sport to grow it has you have to win things you have you know it has to be a high level of performance and i think that is a is a big thing for, for the growth of not only women's football, but, but, you know, women's sport in general. And I think, you know, we have got some unbelievable, talented sports, sports, women, sports teams, um, that are women, um, and, you know, should be, um, on primetime TV and should be showcased and should be the, the, you know, the global stars. Um, I think that would be incredible to see in 10 years time that they were inspired by, Dina Asher-Smith, they were inspired by every netball player, every footballer, and they are now up there. Um, like you say, it would be incredible.
0: And I think it does exist in other sports. If you say who's the biggest gymnast in the world, I don't think anyone mentions yeah. anyone other than yeah. Simone Biles. Yeah. You know, yeah. in the UK, in GB, in terms of athletics, where are our gold medals? Where are the guaranteed medals? You talk about katharina johnson thompson and dina asher smith maybe laura laura muir so it's in those sports for example it's not even a thing it's just and it'd be amazing if the same way in tennis that if you happen to have a crop of a great female player or male you just go yeah andy murray serena williams roger Federer, serena it's not even a yeah, yes, yeah. but she's. It's just a considered that they're on yeah. a par,
1: and that that's something that hopefully will just, hopefully, naturally grow and get get more exposure. Will be the different sports. So, like you say, in athletics, in gymnastics, um, in tennis, and hopefully that will be a natural growth for for football, netball, and and rugby, and cricket um, will be a, a really exciting thing. That it is just cricket. It's not women's cricket or women's rugby or women's football. Do you know what I mean it it will just be that sport, and those are those people those are those icons
0: just finally i'd like to talk to you about your life after the game do you Do you have any particular plans or aspirations for when you do hang up your boots?
1: yeah obviously uh getting getting on a bit now um, <laughs> yeah no obviously that's a that's a, a conversation that you know i've had uh, with my husband and my family that that what what I want to do or what what I want to do to to help the game grow not only women's football but the sport in general um you know also on a completely different aspect i'm really kind of interested in like firefighting as well but then i'm really interested in kind of the media aspect so it's it's it's, yeah it's really you know for me just finding out exactly what i want to do that hopefully will be really i want to do something that's beneficial helpful will will make a big difference at the same time
0: can we just rewind? You did say firefighting as in you're going into house, burning houses.
1: <laughs> I did say that. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have looked at quite a bit of that, um, which obviously wow. would, be, would be exciting. Um, but on the other hand, I really do enjoy kind of the media aspect and, and helping the, the game and the sport grow at the same time. So maybe a combination. I could just be a, <laughs> a, a media firefighter just running around. No, um, so, yeah, at the moment I am playing football, so that's not
0: too bad. And the absolute final question would just be, what do we not know about you? We've obviously spoken and covered an awful lot of ground. When you hear the name Ellen White, what would you like people to think that perhaps they wouldn't otherwise know?
1: I think well, the main thing is that I'm a I'm a nice person, hopefully. Um I've I've said this quite a a lot. Um as much as, you know, I would really love to 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 be known as a a, a decent footballer, um, but I think for me um I just want to be known as a as a really good person um someone that goes out of their way to be the team player to always be kind be thoughtful um I know that probably sounds a bit cheesy but for me it's it's about being being a good person and going above and beyond for for not only your friends and family but but other people that you don't know as well um so for me that's a that's a big one and I also really like Lego building that's that's (laughs) nice throw that one in i've really enjoyed that during lockdown so that could be an interesting one so uh yeah something a bit random i
0: love that (laughs) that seems like the perfect way to end on (laughs) the building blocks of life lego (laughs) ellen thank you so much for your time it's been a real insight and i think to speak to you that's been part of such an important part of women's football and indeed just football as a whole like we said, pre-2012 to what it is now, and long may it continue.
1: Thank you so much for having me on.
0: What a pleasure that was speaking with Ellen White, someone who's seen so much progression in the women's game during her career. And personally, in my opinion, has grown with and into one of the most impressive individuals in the sport. Well, Ellen's episode, episode number nine, marks the end of our series. And what an unalloyed joy it has been uncovering so many moments from the profound to the inspiring, sometimes surprising, always insightful and also always honest. And with that in mind, I'd like to thank all of our guests from Maddie Hinch, Pete Reed, Ed Clancy, Becky Adlington, Becky and Ellie Downey, Latalia Mohammed, Denise Lewis, Max Whitlock, and the person that you just heard from, Ellen White. By the way, you can still listen back to all of those episodes wherever you get your podcasts from. And as ever, please do rate, review, and subscribe. Fingers crossed we'll be back for another series, but genuinely thank you so much. For listening i hope you've enjoyed it half as much as i have because it really has been time that i will treasure for a very long time to come this has been the moments that made me in association with the university of hull and see you very soon